Good morning, good morning, good morning. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, actually chapter 6. Today, we've, we've knocked out one chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is what we've been discussing for the last several weeks, and we are going to be discussing it for the next several weeks. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is the most important uh, teaching found in, the, really, the Bible. Uh, it is the condensation of everything. All good stuff, Jesus kind of just crams into three chapters right here in Matthew. He also does it again in Luke. But um, it's this sermon that he, he's probably his stump speech. It's what he gave every time he went to preach. And so when people gather around, he shows up in Jerusalem, he shows up uh, in Galilee, he shows up wherever he's at, he probably goes into this didactic teaching. This is what he, he's, boom, this is his download. So if you are uh, taking notes on Jesus, uh, this is what you'd get. There was a, a season in my life where I got to go to a lot of conferences, and uh, I heard Louis Giglio four times in one year. Now, if you don't know who Louis Giglio is, it's not really that important to the story. But Louis was giving the same wonderful uh, message every single conference. It was the indescribable tour and where he talks about the, how God loves you more than all these little stars and worlds and everything. It's an amazing message, and I'm really boiling it down and making fun of it today, so I feel bad about that. Um, but I heard it. Four times in one year. And I thought, what the heck? Like, I mean, I could come up with one really good message. Like, one really good one. Uh, but, uh, so he was just giving the same message over and over again. And, and that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's got this one all-encompassing message that he's just giving. So, you don't have podcasts. You don't have recordings. You don't have all this stuff. So, Jesus, this is really important, Dean. I want you to hear it. And you come tomorrow, guess what you're going to get? The same thing, you're going to get it again. And you're going to get it again, and you're going to get it again, and you're going to get it again. It's not that he thinks people are hard of hearing. It's that this is the important stuff. He's also, at the same time, teaching his disciples, when Jesus is not there anymore, this is what you're going to go teach. And so when Peter starts to teach the people that are following him, you know what message he's giving? It's the one he heard 8,000 times from Jesus, right? So this is how he's downloading the important stuff into his disciples. So um, that's what's going on here. Our homework uh, been the last couple of weeks is to read the Sermon on the Mount once uh, throughout the week. It's three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'm sure you can handle that. If you haven't been doing it, I, I would encourage you to, to, to start doing it. You know, it's not a huge, huge endeavor to read three chapters. It takes about 10 minutes uh, of your day to, to go into this. But there's so much good stuff here. There's so much teaching, so much depth. And then you'll be uh, really with us as we're... Um, expounding on different ideas of the Sermon on the Mount. The name of this series is called Under Construction. We are all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? We're all under construction. we all got stuff we got to work on. We all have issues. I've got issues. There's no amens. I appreciate that. We all have issues, right? We all got things. The Sermon on the Mount really kind of takes a look at different issues and says, hey, this is, you've heard it been said, this is how you should handle that. I'm going to go in even deeper. I'm going to look at it even closer. I want you to deal with these hard issues even a little bit more. He talks about little things like anger, lust, keeping your word, you know, little issues. Nobody struggles with those things, right? He, he, he digs right into those And so today we're going to talk about a different kind of issue, the issue of generosity. And so Jesus is pivoting a little bit here in Matthew 6, uh, not too much, but he's he's changing his tone a little bit about how you should conduct yourself in the the ways of righteousness is the words that Jesus uses in Matthew 6. What does this righteousness look 
like? What are the areas? Well, the next three things he talks about are giving, praying, and tithing. So he starts it out when you, or sorry, in fasting. I did two at the same time. So giving, praying, and fasting. And so when you talk about this, when you do these things, this is how you should do them, which brings up that somebody must have been doing it wrong, right? Somebody must have had the wrong kind of attitude. Somebody must have had the wrong kind of uh, uh, way of doing it. And it's like, okay, guys, we're missing it. We're missing the point. Because the same way he's been teaching is like, you've heard it been said in the way in which you're dealing with anger. As long as you don't kill somebody, you're fine, right? Guys, we've got a problem with that. Uh, you've heard it been said, as long as you don't sleep with someone else's wife, you're okay. Guys, we've got we to back off that one a little bit more. And so now he's saying, hey, the way in which you're, you're dealing with money is basically what was going on is people were bringing money and then they were splashing the pot, right? And so uh, some churches have a collection. Be, we're going to take up the offering this morning and people are just going to walk up to the front and they'll put it in, in the pot. Now that's beautiful and there's some gorgeous things with that. It's, you get to see the church unified and, and moving towards something. Sometimes uh, I've seen it done for uh, like building campaigns or to buy a certain thing. That's a really neat thing to do. However, if you're doing that every week, um, it starts, you can get really, really, really uh, kind of self-conscious about it. Like, oh, well, keep an attendance and, you know, Kelsey didn't go up there this week. Kelsey didn't get paid this week. There wasn't anything to give, right? So, uh, but you kind of kind of do that thing, or you're like, oh, you know, I can go up there. I'm going to stand up there a long time. I'm just going to make it rain into the pot. You know, it's only once. It's only ten ones, but it looks like I'm dropping a lot into the pot. And this is kind of what's going on in in uh, ancient Israel. Is people are like, you know, instead of just dropping the quarter in, I got twenty five pennies. It'd be like if you sent your kid back and for uh, for kids offering, and they're like. Ding, 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 you know, because they, they wanted to have more. We laugh at that, but that's kind of what's going on here. And sometimes, if we're honest, we might kind of have that same feeling going on in our own hearts. So what's happening here in Matthew chapter 6? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is the attitude he's saying, well, don't, don't pay attention. Like, you don't have to do that. People are splashing the pot. Don't pay any attention to it. People are drawing attention to it. There was this uh, thing in the Old Testament, and people are probably doing it in the New Testament. We'll get to it in, in the fasting part. But people, it would, they would rip their clothes of sackcloth, put ashes on their head, and start beating your chest. And that sounds weird. I always get like the Tarzan type thing when they say they're beating their chest. And what they're doing actually is hitting their chest like this. And um, I'm glad I don't have a lapel mic on. I've made that mistake doing the same thing, and it really hurt. Uh, but they do this, and they hit it so hard that between your sternum, blood vessels would blow up and you'd get this huge bruise and it's incredibly excruciating to be doing this. And it was this outward sign of, look how sorry I am. I've got ashes on my head. I've got sackcloth on my, on my clothes and I've now given myself a bruise. I've self-mutilated myself. Um, there was, but you've called attention. Oh, look how holy this person must be. You know, they, they really got it. They're, they're really going after God because they're really screaming a lot and really hurting themselves. And that, 
Jesus is like, no, that's not the point. Don't let your right arm, no, it's your left arm. Don't, you don't, you're getting your reward now because now you're getting your attention, right? Oh, wow. Ray must be so holy. Now you've elevated yourself in front of everybody else and you're, you've got, already got your reward. It's over. It's done. But instead, we're investing in the kingdom of God. Your reward will be in heaven. It's a totally different kind of way of looking at it. Uh, I got a to-do list up here. This is a construction to-do list. I, I thought of what would I do if I was remodeling a room? And since we're in this theme of under construction, I thought, you know, we'd go with that. <clears throat> I learned this truth from my father-in-law. And actually, I learned it even more when he passed away. It is the fundamental truth of to-do lists and the art of the bask. You have to bask once you mark something off the list, right? So here I'm remodeling a room. Number one is I have to clear the junk out of the room. Well, that took 30 minutes. Now I need a cup of coffee, (laughs) right? And if you don't do this, don't start, but it's okay. Um, Next, oh, I got to go buy something. Got to go to Home Depot. Well, that'll be fun. You know what's next to Home Depot? Me Terra. I'll basket me Terra for a little bit. Mark that off the list. So that 30-minute project just became an hour and 15-minute long project, but I basked. Man, aren't I awesome? I got it done. Now, my father-in-law was fantastic at this. Now, he would get the projects done. I don't mean to defame the dead here, uh, but, uh, uh, but what happened is we realized this was going on. Actually, he yelled at me a couple times. We were working on projects together. He's like, slow down, Jared. Slow down. Slow down. So when... When he passed away, and my mother-in-law and I were trying to pick up some of the things that his to-do lists around the lake house, and uh, shutting off the water, you know, doing all these things so pipes didn't explode, kind of important, we got done in like 45 minutes. And, and Joanna's like, we must have done something wrong. I was like, it took him all day. Like, him and his buddies would come up here, and it'd take all weekend to close the lake house. I was like, it took 45 minutes. There's included a lot of fishing to go along with that and a, you know, a lot of other stuff to go along with that. That was a, that was a boy's weekend that he had, he had worked into her because he had worked in the basking time. Like he, he, but so often we do the same thing with, with our spiritual lives. Like, psh, I worked in the children's wing this week. I am good for like six weeks. <laughs> Look at this guy, right? I gave once. I'm good. Right? You got a basket. Got a basket. And we make, I make fun of Mike in that. Like, we got the thing done, but there was so much more potential. I wasted a whole ton of time. I wasted a whole lot of potential. I didn't invest these things properly. I already got my reward, right? My reward was spent in the time basking. That was my time off. That was my, my quiet time. That was the time by myself. That was the time when my wife didn't know what I was doing and I got to do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, you got that time done. However, what happens is now you're missing out on maybe the time with your own family. You're missing out on the other investments you can make. You're missing. You see what's going on? This is the same principle of what Jesus is talking about. Don't, don't, if you already take that, the reward, if you already do this in public, if you already go, oh, look how great I am, you've already gotten your reward, and that's not what it's about. The reward is what happens in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is calling for more. 
He's calling for a different way of looking at lust. He's calling for a different way of looking at anger. He's calling for a different way of looking at integrity. He's calling for a different way of looking at generosity. He's calling for a different way of looking at prayer. He's calling for a different way of looking at fasting. He's calling for more, a better way. It's like he's speaking to a bunch of people who are so close to getting it right, but they just kind of, it's close, right? It's just that you're you're, you're close. Can Can you turn it over here a little bit? I think about um, when I used to play baseball, right? And you're swing and you're all of a sudden you're, you're popping it up all the time. You're popping it up all the time. You're popping it up all the time. It's because you're dipping your back shoulder, Jared. You're trying to crush the ball, Jared. You're not a home runner, Jared. You hit the ball between shortstop and third base. That's what you do. Please don't try to hit home runs. Hit the ball between shortstop and third base. Yes, sir. I'll try to do that. Okay. Quit dipping your, I'm so close. I'm so close. Well, I hit it between shortstop and third place, but it went right up in the middle of the air. Right? Stop dipping your back shoulder. You're so close. Just change it a little bit. Just change your mindset. You don't have to be a home run hitter. Just do your job. Jesus is speaking the same thing to these people. You don't have to do everything all at once. Just do your job. It doesn't matter if you don't have thousands and thousands of dollars to give or these uber talents to donate or these, this, all this extra time to invest in the kingdom of God. Just do what you can. Do what you've been called to. Don't draw attention to yourself. Just do it. See, all throughout our talks for generosity, there's a really important point that needs to be framed in this. And this is every time Jesus talks about money. And he talks about money in the New Testament a ton. But every time he talks about money in the New Testament, there's this simple truth that has to come out. is that Jesus wants something for you, not from you. Jesus wants something for you, not from you. So when he talks about how you deal with your finances and the mindset surrounding that, he's talking about, I want something for you, not from you. I want you to have victory over money dominating your life. I want you to have peace over you don't have to worry about where your next dollar is coming from. I want you to be able to to have freedom in that. That's what Jesus is is constantly coming back to when he talks about money. Right here he's talking about, you don't need to care about public opinion when you give money at the temple. Like, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about who's keeping track. Or like, I don't know, Susie over there, she she didn't spend very much time at the donation plate, so I bet she, she didn't give very much. Don't worry about those people. They they already have their reward. It doesn't matter. You do what you do. Don't worry about everybody else. Jesus wants something for you, not from you. The heart of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 is you don't, don't worry about the extent in which you are or how the public opinion of what you're doing looks like. Don't worry about what your reward here on earth is. Worry about what your investment in the kingdom of God is. Kelly and I have investments. Um, they're not the, the biggest portfolio in the world, but we have investments. Kelly started a lot earlier than me, and Kelly's investments are way, way, way better than mine. If you were looking at our portfolio, and this was Jared's portfolio and Kelly's portfolio, you're like, I want the broker that Kelly has, Right? Because her investments, she started, she hasn't put into any money into her investments in the last seven years. This was a, a Georgia thing that somebody, that the Georgia teachers thing did. She hasn't put any more uh, money into it for seven years. 
<coughs> excuse me, but it's probably three or four times as much as I have, and I've been putting in the same amount every, every uh, six months the, the, in, into mine. But she's just killing mine. When we look into our investments, it's the same thing. Some of our investments into the future, we want to see that quick turnaround, right? We want to see that investment that just pops in. Oh, I got that. Ooh, that's the shiny one. That's the one that's growing. Mine's slowly catching up, and we'll surpass her at some time. <coughs> different investments happen at different times. When we invest in the kingdom of God, we don't get to control the interest rate. When we invest in the kingdom of God, we don't get to control the interest rate. Speaking as a pastor, I would love to be able to control the interest rate. If I put money into the proverbial kingdom of God, if I put time into the proverbial kingdom of God, if I put talent into the kingdom of God, I want to know exactly what I'm going to get out. I want to know the, the yield of this CD, whatever it's going to be. Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying? And, and when you guys probably think about your time, your talent, and your treasure, when you think about investing it into the kingdom of God, you want to know what's going to come back out. The problem is God doesn't work on our timetable. He doesn't actually even let us see the prospectus or whatever of how much this, this is going to work. He's like, you know what? 40 years, you don't know what's going to happen. That's where you get to trust me. 40 years, you have no idea how the seeds that you've planted will have borne fruit. You have no idea what the investment that you poured into. Maybe it, it bears fruit quickly, like Kelly's did. Maybe it's a, even a longer-term thing, and you just got to keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep at it, and you keep at it, and it bears fruit in the long term. We, investing in the kingdom of God is like that. See, Jesus is giving us the option. You want to see the fruit now? You want to see it right now? Okay, that's your reward. You, get to, you, got, you got to see it. It's over. You got attention. Is that all you wanted? But when you do it in secret, and when you do it with the right attitude, and you are faithful in it, your reward is in heaven. For me, that's a hard truth to, to start wrapping around because I like immediate gratification. Like, I, I, I enjoy doing something and then expecting and knowing what the result's going to be. And God seems to really, really enjoy messing with that mentality. Because it comes back down to this, this question of, are you in control or am I in control? Because if you're in control, you've already gotten your reward. If I'm in control, you don't know when it's going to happen, but that reward's going to surpa- surpass anything that you could dream of. Another aspect of this, uh, this giving is I think sometimes we start giving and uh, we, we feel like now all of a sudden, We've got something over God. Um, Giving in our time and our talent and our treasure. Lord, I wrote a big check this week. Uh, Everything at work should go great. Right? Now, you may go, I would never think that. I've thought it. Like, God, I prayed for like eight hours this week. I was really holy. Everything should go my way. It's not how that works. God, I volunteered in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry, and I even uh, cut the grass this week, and I even uh, cleaned the, the toilets. All this week, every, I should get that promotion at work. Like, that's not how that works. We don't buy our salvation. We don't buy ourselves a blessing. We had a little thing called the Reformation, 
500, 600 years ago, whatever, to say, hey, it doesn't work that way anymore. Um, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't, we don't buy these things. It's an investment in the future. It's not a product for a product. It is I'm investing in the future. I'm investing in lives. I'm investing in the long term. So Jesus wants something for you, not from you. This reward in heaven. What does that mean? What does that look like? It's been misinterpreted a lot. I think some of us think, oh, I'm going to get like a really cool house in heaven. I'm going to get like a, a nicer crown or whatever. The real truth of this is there's going to be people in heaven that you had effect on. Maybe first generation, second generation, third generation that you have no idea. There's people in this room that stuff that you've done actually has let them come to know Jesus and you, will, you don't even know about it because it was done in secret. There's people in this room that they sneak in. When we do the Hope Box stuff, they don't bring the Hope Box food on, on that Sunday. They sneak in like a whole carload of stuff on Tuesday morning. Like, and they, they get mad if I see them. They're like trying to be ghosts and come in and all of a sudden there's this, you know, eight cans of tomato soup and uh, rice and, and noodles and all kinds of stuff because they just, wanted, they just wanted to do it in secret. No one knows that I'm here. And if I stop them, they're like, oh, man, I got caught. Yes, you got caught doing being awesome. Sorry about, about, about your luck. Uh, but I just, I just love that mentality. Like, I know I just, I just, I'm not buying anything out of this. I'm not trying to manipulate God. I'm trying to be obedient with my time, my talent, my treasure. What you invest in the kingdom of God has eternal value. It changes lives. It brings light into darkness and hope to the hopeless. So what does Jesus want from me? If it says this is what Jesus wants for you, not from you, he wants you to have heavenly rewards. He wants you to have spiritual impact on people. When you get to know people um, or see people that you had an impact on, maybe five, ten years ago. My dad just went, uh, my dad and mom went back to Kokomo where they pastored for, I think, 18 years, um, just a couple weeks ago. They did a wedding of a, of, a, um, of a young woman who's actually in my, the very first thing I ever taught. I was 12 years old. She was five years old. I was in charge of the five-year-old uh, girl uh, class and vacation Bible school. Can you, that was fun. All right. Uh, so, but Marla was in that class, and I was in charge of these little girls, and uh, and uh, I think they, we called them my ducklings, and they they just followed. We all do, 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 and we went all around the church and had a blast of vacation Bible school. But she got married a couple weeks ago. Now the preschool uh, le- leader and children's pastor at that church was another girl who's the same age uh, in that group, and that was. And you can just look at that. I bet I would have loved to have seen a picture of that wedding because you could have gone, well, that person was invested in. That person was invested in. That person was invested in. That per- it's 20 years later. That per- oh, my goodness. That person, turned. he's not in jail? Fantastic. Uh, so, you know, we have, <laughs> uh, come on, you know, <laughs> so, you're like, oh, man. I mean, that's what you guys think of Kevin all the time, and now he's student pastor here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> If you didn't know, Kevin grew up in this church. So there you go. Um, that wasn't part of my message right there. The, he wants you to have heavenly rewards, and heavenly rewards is seeing. Now the fruit of Kevin's ministry is fruit of your all's ministries when you suffered through him in Sunday school class. Right? And like those poor people, my poor junior high 
a Bible study leader. Can you imagine having hyperactive Jared with all of his hyperactive friends in a Bible study? Oh, Lord. It's like, Jesus loves you, and I'm going to strangle you. (laughs) It was an investment. It was an investment. It was an investment. And, man, I tell you what, those people did not know if they were going to get anything out of that investment. And you guys may argue one way or the other. I don't know. But he... But it's investment. And God looks at that and says, guys, I get to see, because I'm God of all time. I know what's happened back then. I know what's going to happen in the future. And if you step into this plan at this moment, at this time, if you give generously of your time and your talent and your treasure, you get, I get to see what can happen. I get to see the lives changed. I get to see the joy. I get to see the new people in heaven. I get to see families changed. I get to see grandkids changed. I get to see all that. And so if you're just patient, but you're here in this one time and you're worried about that one thing, I know, I know, I know, I know. But if you are, if you trust me enough, I've got this. He wants you to have heavenly rewards. Next thing he wants you to have is he wants you to have victory over materialism. You can't be controlled by what you've given away. Right? You can't be controlled by what you've given away. It kind of doesn't work that way. <laughs> so if I've given of it, I can't go, well, um, but, um, no, I, I gave it away. Now, some of us, I've been in places, this has never happened here at this church, so I don't want you to, like, who did that? But I've, someone gave money at the church. We didn't do something that they agreed with, so they wanted a refund. That's, that's happened before. That's not how the whole giving thing works. Right? That's, that's not, it's like, I'm sorry, but he did <laughs> Okay, we actually did give them, we give them a refund because we're like, this is a hard issue that we, a whole different thing. But that's not how that, that works. Giving is a gift over materialism. Giving of your time is, a, is giving over control, right? When you say, I'm going to invest with my time on Sunday morning with, with I'm going to invest in people's lives, that's, that's going, okay, God, you, I don't know how this to-do list is going to get done, but I'm giving of my time. When you give of your talents, you go, God, I only have this many time, this much time and this much, you know, of me to give, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to give of these things to the, to the church and to the kingdom of God. You're saying, you know what, God, I trust you more than I trust me. That's a hard, hard place to be, but it's a beautiful place to be. God, I'm going to trust you more. I don't know how these bills are going to get paid, but I'm putting it in your hands. That's a hard place to be but it's a beautiful place to be. See, God, Jesus looks at our lives and he, he's looking at their, their lives and he's looking at all the ways in which people are struggling with debt. And if we take inventory of our lives, we probably struggle with debt ourselves. We struggle with debt in our, um, in our time. We struggle with debt with our talents. We struggle with debt in the way in which uh, we deal with money. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be there anymore. This is why he, he switches to, to teaching about, don't worry about the clothes on your back. Don't worry about the, the, the roof over your head. You, you, you got to get over all of that because he's going, you guys care so much about the debt ratio that you have that you can't live in freedom. And so what I, I, I want to speak into you this morning is we got to address the, some of those debt issues. <clears throat> in money, it's the easiest one. Uh, to address because it's, it's, fa- it's, it's straight black and white on a spreadsheet. You can say, you know what? I spend more money every month than I make. Okay, we have a problem here. 
Now, that's a painful conversation, and I'm boiling it down pretty, pretty easy. But you look at a spreadsheet, and you go, we spend $2,000 a month. We only bring in $1,500 a month. There's a problem, right? Now, there's all kinds of resources out there to help you manage that money. And you've got to make some hard choices to figure that out. Uh, get in the Dave Ramsey program. Sometimes we do them here at the church. There's one coming up on November 5th, I believe. It's going to probably 7th. It's on voting day, uh, whichever day that is. Uh, November 7th. That's why we can't do it here at the church because we're a voting place. But there'll probably be some other churches in the, in the neighborhood. They'll do a Dave Ramsey, uh, a Dave Ramsey one day. Um, but get into that because what it helps you do is figure out where is my money going? How do I get in charge of it? How does that all work? Because when we're mired by debt, we don't have the freedom to act how God wants us to live. You can't, you'll be slave to the lender, right? You'll be slave to whoever controls your debt. And we got to get over that. That's just with the money part. Now maybe for a little even more harder conversation, what happens when you're in debt with your time? And you know this feeling. Anybody, any, anybody who's a teacher who's just gone back to school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's this list of things you got to get done, and then there's this smaller thing called 24 hours. And that, that, the pesky thing called sleep, it's important after a while, right? You know, you can do it for a bit, but then after a while, it really gets at you. And you look at your time, and you go, where is my time going? I don't You've got to take inventory of that and say, how, am I, how do I get out of debt with my time? What do I have to say no to? Well, I've got so many important things. Yeah, they're all important, but your sanity is more important. And I'll be honest with you. If you look at your time thing and you're like, wow, I've got all this time I could get back if I quit going to church, that's probably not the right answer. <laughs> I know that's the easy answer. I, I know it is. But it's not the right answer if we're going to give of our time and our talent and our treasure. Same thing with our talents. I don't feel like I'm being used. I have this debt of, of I don't, I don't, not useful. I'm not, I, I don't feel rewarded in, in what I'm doing in life. And I would ask, are your talents being used for the kingdom of God? Those are harder questions. Like, like I said, that's not black and white. That's not on a spreadsheet. But those are hard, soul-searching questions you've got to ask yourself. In our generosity, are we giving of our time and our talent and our treasure? Are we investing deeply in the kingdom of God? And it even comes back to a different question. Do we believe that the kingdom of God will make a difference? I'm a life that was invested in. A lot of you I know were long-term investments. We all are products of people caring, of people being obedient, people loving, and people investing in the kingdom of God. Our kids will be products of people caring, of people loving, and people investing in the kingdom of God. Our grandkids will be people who were cared for, who were loved, who were spoken into, because people took the time to invest in the kingdom of God. Our neighbors will be people who people cared for, who people loved, who people took the time and the risk to invest in the kingdom of God. I want to be on that side. I don't want my rewards right now because I really don't think they'll be worth it. I want whenever that day comes when I go to heaven that I know that's more populated now because of the investment that us as a church took than it would have been if we didn't. When we look in the back and um, 
you know, I, I, I want a, I want a snapshot. Uh, this is selfish of whatever it looks like when my mom goes to heaven and she gets to see all the impact that she had. I, I want that picture. But I also get jealous because I'm like, okay, how do I orient my life so it looks like that one? And the same way for all the different saints that have gone on before us. What does it look like? How, there's nothing. She's a special woman. But how does, it, how does it look if we reorient our lives that our time and our talent and our treasure is investing in the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean it's always kids. That doesn't mean it's always youth. It means all kinds of different stuff. There's all kinds of different opportunities. We're going to have a meeting after this, this service about the serve team, about how, how our church invests in other people. There's going to be, I'm really excited this next semester, there's going to be some new ministries launched about how we can leverage other people's time and their talent and their treasure to impact people's lives. There's all kinds of different ways in which we do that. But we've got to be willing as a, as a church in our hearts to be obedient, to say, you know what? I'm going to invest my time. I'm going to invest who I am because I believe in the work of the kingdom of God. Pray with me. Ben, come on up. God, I want to live a generous life. I want to live a life that honors you and invests deeply in the kingdom of God. Sometimes I feel like I can't. I feel like there's so many obstacles in my life. There's so many roadblocks that I can't engage with you. I can't invest with you the way I I would like. So God, I I need help in trusting you. I need help in in, in following through. I need help in, in joining with you because God, it gets so hard. Will you guide me? Will you lead me? Will you take my hand through the tough choices? Jesus, in this moment, I give you my life. I give you my mindset. I give you my future. I give you my anxiety. And right now I want to declare that I trust you. Take all I have, everything you've given me, for the kingdom of God. That we will see little ones come to Jesus because of your love. We will see estranged ones come to know you because of your love. We'll see our neighbors come to know you because of your love. We love you, Jesus. We take your hand in this. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.